I was really high. I was really high on Dallas. But then I realized like the reason why I was really high on Dallas is because they had played like three home games in a row. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Chasing It here on the 33rd team. Trey Wingo here with Chase Daniel, the post-Christmas extravaganza special. Chase, everything good in your house? You you got everything taken yeah. care of? Family all good? The, the in-laws yeah. in and out and gone? They're out. Yeah, we took the in-laws and, and my family and sister, everyone, to the airport this morning. 9 a.m. flight on Tuesday the 26th, so the day right after Christmas. Uh, we're packing. We're going to, to Dallas for the Cotton Bowl, actually. So Mizzou's playing Ohio State. That'll be fun. We're going to go to uh, – I have no idea why we're doing it, but we're going to New York City for New Year's Eve with three small kids. So I, I don't know why what is we wrong, decided what to is, do okay, that. Be- before we do anything else, what is wrong with you? Okay, listen, I grew I up on the East Coast. I, I was born in New York, lived right outside the city. Here's the number of times I went into New York City for New Year's Eve. Once. <laughs> Like, what are you doing? What are yeah, you doing? Three, three small kids. And it's like, <laughs> dude, we are just, I don't know. You know, my wife was like, hey, let's do the whole, we're going to do the whole tourist thing, top of the rock, like ice skating, see the tree, go to Statue of Liberty. Because our kids have never been there. So it's also a five and a half, six hour flight from coast to coast. So that's that's even worse probably with small little kids. So hopefully that, uh, hopefully we'll survive and we will be able to do a show next week. And I will not be in over my head. I was about to say, if you come back with any hair on your head and a semblance of sanity from doing all that, like, God bless Bro. you. So I'm, I'm yeah. Not, yeah. The, the best way to describe it, I'm happy that you're doing it and I'm not. I just want to be 100% yeah. clear. Yeah, we, right? we, 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 we took the chill out of Christmas. We're, we're going all in. Oh, my God. The best thing about having in-laws is when you say, hey, it was great having you, now leave. That's the best part. Bye. Hey, great to see you. Doors right over there. But There's we the digress. Door. All right, let's 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 move on. It was kind of a weird week 16, right? Because it started on Thursday, then you had some games on Saturday, some on Sunday, and then obviously the triple header on Christmas. Uh, the one thing I think we can take away right now, it's pretty clear the top of the uh, top of the heap belongs to the Baltimore Ravens after the smackdown they put on San Francisco at Levi Stadium on Monday night. Yeah, that was. Uh... Man, I, I, like I, I was watching it. We were we were opening presents all day. We went to brunch. We did all that stuff. I was like, I just got to be back at five twenty p.m. Uh, Pacific time to watch this game in prime time. And man, it just it was a butt whooping. Like, there's nothing else you can say. It, the score seemed yeah. closer, honestly, than it was. Fourteen points. I mean, every single part of the game. Uh, they got five takeaways at Ravens defense, and I love the fact that Patrick. Queen, Roquan Smith are just saying, hey, they don't want to play the brand of ball that we play. No one in the league wants to play the brand of ball that we play. And they are so true. Like the Ravens, they're not only like making like toys of all these little teams, like they are dominating teams. Okay. They have seven teams with winning records. They have wins against over 14 plus points or more. Seven times they've beaten teams with winning records plus 14 points or more. So they're they're dominating teams. I mean, and the job that Lamar has done probably vaulted himself to the top of the MVP race. The job that Todd Munkin has done that's not being talked about enough because it's not yeah. just the same old Ravens offense where, hey, it's just let's run Lamar. Let's do, they're, they're doing everything. I mean, I counted a, a, 
a series where they ended up kicking a field goal. It was um, a zone read, an RPO, uh, under center run, under center play action, drop back shotgun. I mean, like seven or eight different types of plays that they're doing. And Lamar just looks comfortable because they're doing yeah. a whole bunch of different things. They're doing stuff that he loves. And and eventually he'll just take off and he had the longest uh, run of his uh, season last night, get him into, into scoring range. Uh, one of the first drives. And then, I mean, let's be honest with that defense. That defense is, is super impressive. And, and Brock Purdy, I mean, four interceptions, right? Like just, yeah. it, it just didn't go his way last night. And everyone knows how, how big a believer I am in Brock. And you're going to yeah. have those games, man. And honestly, like three of them were tipped in picks, but like every single one the Ravens got, and you got you to give them credit, man. Yeah, we'll get to Brock in a second. But I, I think what you just said about Lamar is really significant because it's not just that Todd Monk and the new offensive coordinator is doing things differently. It's also because they have to do things differently. Yeah, they lost. Uh, they lost the the tight end extraordinaire Mark Andrews, which was has been Lamar's safety blanket ever since Mark yeah. got there. One of the best tight ends in the game. He's out for the year. They lost Keaton Mitchell, that scat running back. He's out for the year. So to me, when you say Lamar's got to be at the top of the MVP, what what puts him there for me at this point? is that he's lost those weapons, and he's yeah. still finding ways to produce. And look, I get it. Zay, jo uh, Zay Flowers has been a, a really good rookie, and Odell Beckham yeah. has come in nice and, and done some things. I mean, hell, we had a Nelson Aguilar sighting. You know what I mean? You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. The, yeah. Lamar, Lamar is finding different ways to get it done, not only in a different system, but with different players than he's had to count on in the past. And to me, that's the best case you can make for his MVP campaign. Yeah, that's a great call, and especially the tight end. Like Isaiah Likely's doing such a great job and taking advantage of every single opportunity. Every time it seems like they're on the field, he makes a play. Especially two games ago, he had a couple touchdown catches, and it's just like it's impressive to watch because the whole thing. Like when we were studying the Ravens early in the season, it they were up and down a little bit because they were trying to understand this offense, trying to get this offense. Mark Andrews goes out. Who do we go? And then they just started spreading around to everyone. Zay Flowers, Bateman's in the conversation. OBJ is looking like, hey, he can put a run together like he did with the Rams, right? Come postseason right. time. Like all that stuff. And I just love the fact, too, like the whole team's demeanor and how Harbaugh has them. Because he's like even Lamar last night. Like, a lot of teams don't pay attention to their press clippings and, like, hey, they were five-and-a-half-point underdogs. They were very aware. And I actually oh, really yeah. love that because it's not talked about enough. It's not talked about in locker rooms. Like, sometimes, you know, you don't even – you just try to, like, get it out of your head. But people have social media. These guys have social – they know. And so the fact that probably Harbaugh brought it up, like, hey, this is just blatant disrespect. And then you go in there and beat them by – 14 points it's a it's a good story and it's just like what Lamar said is like okay that's great I don't care about these games we got a tough game against Miami coming up we got to be good in January and February this is a good yeah. stepping stone and this is a good like hey we're at the top of the heap and it's not even close in my opinion because everyone including myself went in to that game thinking that San Fran was the the toast of the NFL and they Same were the here. team to beat they, I mean I was I was it and it was just it was impressive how they did it uh, on multiple facets. I mean, multiple points off turnovers. When do you have five takeaways, Trey? Like, the game should have been a lot worse than 14 points. Um, so that defense, and we've talked about it, is all world beaters. But it's, it's impressive what Lamar and how Lamar is doing it right now. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he's got to be right there. And we'll get into another person that I think should be in discussion for the MVP, and it might surprise some people. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but where are we on, on the 49ers now? Look, they had that three-game losing streak where, again, Trent Williams was out, Debo was out, uh, and Brock was throwing some interceptions, and he was clearly concussed in one of those games against Minnesota. There were some issues there that you pointed out on that play where you saw his head get dinged. Um, but where are we on San Francisco? Was this just a bad game? Because some of those inter- – look – some of those interceptions were bad. Some of them were tips. I mean, like, you know, you, you just, you're trying to make a play and somebody gets a hand on the ball, pops up in the air like the one Hamilton got, you know, I mean, that, yeah. st- that stuff happens. Where's your level of concern for San Francisco? Cause both of us thought they might've been the best team in football going into this game. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's that much. I still think they're, I mean, I think they're second best team in the, in the NFL right now. I mean, honestly, just, I think, I think stuff like this happens. And when two heavyweight Titans that are 11 and three meet, in a game of this magnitude, this late in the season, I, I think it's just a good test to see where your team's at. Because both these teams know, hey, I'm the top of the AFC, I'm the top of the NFC, and they face, and yeah, it goes a certain way. But all their goals for both of these teams are still ahead of them, like uh, like in front of them. So yeah. with Sam Fran, you, you talk about Brock, and, and I actually like went back and looked at it, looked at the All-22, and this sounds really hard to say as an analyst, but it really wasn't as bad as it looked, man. Like, yeah, no, I agree. Three of the four, he had one bad interception. Okay, Correct. one bad interception. The other three, like the one to Cal Hamilton, like give, give him credit. He's blitzing off the slot, gets cut, stays down, runs around, 12 seconds later yeah. has an interception. Like that, yeah. it's tipped. Two, three play. of them were tipped. Effort play. It's an effort play. And when you look at Sam Fran, like the, the one thing that we both said, that I think was their biggest issue on both sides of the football is their offensive line. Their offensive line played so bad last night. And, and I mean that in the nicest of ways, like Trent Williams went out, they were down to their last offensive lineman. Like a tight end would have had to come in and yeah. play offensive line of one more of their linemen got, got out. Cause they only have eight active guys and three starters were out. And so I think that's the biggest issue. If you can protect for Brock and you can protect for that offense. Like they pushed the ball down the field, obviously. And that just wasn't happening. I think Brock had like a half second, a second less to throw. And it really showed on some of these. Um, but yeah, he looks spooked a little bit out there. I mean, quite honestly, I'd look spooked versus that, versus that pass rush too. Yeah. Um, and everything that they're doing. But my level of concern is, is not very high right now for San Fran. You're going to have the, games the- like this. Right. The only thing that bothers me, if you look at San Francisco as they're presently constructed, is once again, they are a team that loves to get out in front. They are not a team that knows how to come back. They are now under Kyle Shannon. They are 0-38 when they are trailing by eight points in the fourth quarter and 1-38 when they're trailing by three points in the fourth quarter. So it's pretty clear San Francisco has a, has a way that they win. They bully you up front. They get ahead, and then they bludgeon you with that defense. But if you can flip the script on them, they haven't figured out a way to do that yet. Yeah, that, that stat, man. Like, it is what it is. We've been I looking – that's wild to me. How – like eight points. It's, it's one score. One and possession. You've won no, and you've won no games on it? Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the, that is the recipe for success to beat – the San Francisco 49ers, but just not a lot of teams have done it. 
right? They yeah. went on that three-game losing streak, and that was just like, hey, get right. Okay, and then they play the best team or one of the best teams in the NFL, and they get up early. They get, like, three takeaways in the first quarter. I mean, Brock had three interceptions with eight minutes left in the first quarter. I'm just like, yeah. are you kidding yeah. me? You know? Yeah. And so, for actually, like – this is a weird way to look at it, but I looked at it as like, well, it's only, they only lost by 14. They had five takeaways or they had yeah. five turnovers. Like they only <clears throat> lost by 14. So that defense is still good. I think they'll probably end up, you know, winning out that Rams game in week 18 is going to be big for seeding in terms of uh, like the one seed in the NFC, uh, what's happening all, all around that. But it's, it's, uh, I mean, it was a fun <clears throat> game to watch on Christmas night to eight men and buck. Like I'm sure it got a ton of, ton of views. It, it did. Um, yeah. And, you know, remember, they, the, the 49ers will have a tiebreaker over both the Cowboys and the Eagles. So they, all they need to do is just, uh, you know, maintain status quo with those guys and they'll be fine in terms of the number one yeah. seed because they, they beat them both head to head. Um, all right. Let's move on to uh, the Eagles and the Cowboys, because are you more concerned for the Eagles in a win against the Giants team or more? Are you more confident in the Cowboys in a loss in Miami? Because once again, the Cowboys are a different team on the road. Yeah. But, you know, Miami Miami gets their signature win. So we'll talk about that in a second. But are you more concerned about the Eagles in a win or the Cowboys in a loss? The Eagles, man. The Eagles. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, like... That was brutal. I thought... That was brutal because... And we'll get with the Cowboys. But I thought the Cowboys wasn't that... I mean, I, I like how they played. Like, Dak had that... What should have been a game-winning drive. But with with... With Philly, man, it just looks bad, like very bad. Like even not only the product on the field, but the sideline. Like Jalen came out two games ago and was like, "Hey, we're not giving enough effort. We're not." I'm like, "Dude, you guys are ten and four at the point. Yeah, like ten and three, like, I think at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah." And it's just like it's hard to understand what's going on, but they are going through like a, you talk about midlife crisis. This is a mid season crisis and Late end season. of season crisis yeah. because it's just, it's not happening for them. And we've talked about it a lot. We've talked about how, um, Jalen, he does not look healthy. He looks like he's in slow motion right now. And that's, that's yeah. the truth because he's just not healthy. He's not healthy, dude. That knees bug bugging him. That offense is, static at most and when you look at it and you really break it down they run like five plays like i saw someone on youtube say that it was they're running a high school offense and i don't think it's that bad but i do think it's very simple and i think the more you run it and you you're not uh getting new plays in the fold you're not uh growing you're not doing all it it becomes very easy for a defense to defend you and especially when you're not really worried about Jalen running. Maybe in yeah. the in most important parts of the game, you're worried about him running. But over like the quarterback run game has gone out the window. The RPO game has gone out the window. They run little five-yard delay routes. They run some deep throws. I mean, it's just it's hard to watch the defensive coordinator position and how they've handled that whole situation with Sean Desai yeah. and Matt Patricia is is just ridiculous like I, I just i don't i don't know like it just it's not gotten any better you you, well, you, have, you have tommy devito you have tyrod taylor coming in putting up points 70 yard five 75 yard touchdown it's just not looking good right now for the eagles yeah and the, the devito thing has gone the way of uh, the joshua dobbs and maybe potentially the jake browning like these things are great for a while but there's then you realize okay that's why these players are who they are um yeah. the de the defensive side of the ball for me is actually more concerning if I'm Philadelphia, because I believe there's talent 
on the offensive side. And if Jalen can yeah. get a little healthy, you know, which I don't know if it's possible, um, I, I think that's more fixable. The defense, you know, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, these two big studs the last couple of years, they lose a couple of guys. They had 70 sacks this year. They're not getting anywhere near that. And people are running. Like, suppose these monster defensive yeah. linemen out of Georgia the last two years, right? Those are the guys. They're supposed to just eat that middle. You can run on the Philadelphia Eagles. And when you can yeah. run on somebody, you really can't defend. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's such a weird thing, too, Trey, because you, you just, at least me, like, I don't know about you, like, when I watched Philly early in the season, I'm like, honestly, they might be better than last yeah. year's Super Bowl team. Because yeah. they were, they just seemed so together. The defense was a little bit at the beginning of the year, but the way they were beating people, how, and then all of a sudden, it's like, how do you, and I've, and I've never been on a team like that, so it's hard for me to even answer it. It's like, how do you go from what you were in the first half of the season and then a completely different team in the second half of the season? And you can't just put it all on Jalen. Like, I don't know if Marcus Mariota were to come in. Like David Carr said on NFL Network, like, hey, he's, they should bench Jalen. No, I don't, I don't know if they need all of that. But they got to have some spice in that offense, man. Because, yeah, yeah the defense is struggling. I don't think a, an in-season change at coordinator – because I, I like Sean Desai. I think he's a great dude. But then you see all that stuff. It's like so totally Philly. Like, oh, he doesn't have enough confidence. He doesn't have enough – like, what? so you think Matt Patricia is going to come in and just automatically, like, make you a better defense? Like, no. Yeah. Like you got yeah. bigger issues rather than defense corners. So like that was that was weird to me. And it's just like on the sideline, it looks like Sirianni's getting more animated and involved. They lost Dom DeSandro. They lost everything like that. Like who? It, all this stuff. So it it's, it's interesting Dom, to me it uh, how it's all happening. It's, it all it's goes wild. back to Big Dom. That's what you're telling me. All right. So let's move on to the Cowboys then. Look, you know, people always say you can't lose a game in the first quarter, I say that's bullshit. I think the Cowboys lost this game in the first quarter. You have a first yeah. and goal. from the First and goal, by the way, from the one-yard line when Tony Pollard oh, didn't get gosh. in. First of all, how he didn't get in, effort play by the corner. Unbelievable. But if, he, but if he runs outside instead of back in, he's over the pylon in a heartbeat. I mean, that was a bad yep. – it was a great effort play by the corner. It was also a terrible decision by Tony Pollard. My point being, everything that happened after that, the Cowboys were playing catch-up. And, you know, if they had, if they had gotten points – on that drive, even a field goal on that drive, then what Miami needs at the end of the game is a touchdown, not a field goal that changes the complexion of that final drive completely. You can lose a game in the first quarter. like First and goal from the one, and you don't get a point, that's a problem. So where are you on Dallas? Because once again, we've seen Dallas scores almost 40 points at home, and they score almost 18 points fewer, 17 points fewer on the road. They are not the same team. And really, their chance of getting the NFC East flew out the window in Miami. Because here's what the Eagles have left. The Cardinals and the Giants again. Giants. Now, you know, I mean, look, weirder things have happened. We understand all of this. See what happened with the Chiefs and the Raiders, which we'll get into later. But it doesn't feel like Dallas is going to have a home game. So where are you on the level of play we're seeing out of Dallas? Well, just it's it's hard to watch, and we talked about this on our last show in terms of playing at home, playing on the road, and it's just at least at least for me, like Miami is a good team, right? They hadn't beaten anyone, and that was their biggest narrative going in. Yeah, this was their signature win. So, like, it's not like they went on the road against some bad team and laid an egg. They actually showed a lot of fight. 
yeah, the fumble, it sucks. I thought he should have kicked the field goal when they went for it on fourth down. Uh, inside the in, Like all that stuff. It, yeah, it comes back. But Miami's a good team, so I think at least they showed the fight, right? Like Dak yeah. showed that two-minute drive at the end of the game. The defense was just not able to hold uh, Miami for the two-minute drive. So at least they showed fight against a good team. I don't think Dallas, and I know, I mean, I know Dallas doesn't believe in moral victories, but this was good to see especially coming off the road on a Bills game where you got embarrassed, yeah. right? Like this was fight at least. And so it's just, man, it doesn't look like the Eagles are playing. I mean, it looks like the Cowboys, they'll get a wild card game. Well, I mean, maybe. I don't yeah. like, yeah. I mean, so yeah. it's just tough, man. It's it. I was really high. I was really high on Dallas, but then I realized like the reason why I was really high on Dallas is because they had played like three home games in a row. <laughs> and they totally, played two back-to-back totally away games, and they're a completely different team. And so when you yeah. put them on the road with the noise, with the distractions, the travel, I don't know what it is, but it's just not the same team. And it, they, they've always been that way, Trey. They've always had yeah. the talent. They've always, but they always end up, like the last few years, San Fran, division. Like, it was just, they got to get past the divisional game somehow, man. They got to go on the road, beat a good team. It's just like, all right, well, Dallas is good for one or two and done, and that's it. You know, and that's just not, that's not what Jerry Jones wants, man. Well, no. I mean, like, they haven't made it to a conference championship since they won their last Super Bowl, you know, Which is almost wild. 30 years ago. Almost 30 years ago. That was the last time they made an appearance there. Now, they have had three consecutive double-digit win seasons for the first time since the 90s when they were that dominant team in the NFL, but – you know, for Cowboys fans, it's like I, I, we've seen this act. We know how this is going to end. And, and as, as much fight as they showed, at the end of the day, they still came up short. So to me, they're still a team that you cannot trust unless they're playing nope. at home. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's like both these NFC East teams, man, the Cowboys and the Eagles, you're like, we're talking about them even a couple weeks ago, and you're like, these guys are all world beaters, man. They're the best yeah. in the conference. And then all of a sudden, it's just both teams are – so good news for San Fran. I mean, San Fran, I mean, all three teams, it's just like, wow, you know? Yeah. Well, again, it, it's proof that outside of Baltimore, who's been very consistent now, um, every single team finds a way to, to go through some really bad games this year. And, and Baltimore had a couple early, uh, but, you know, since then, they've, they've yeah. really been spectacular. All right. We had a longstanding rule on this show that we were not going to talk about the NFC South until somebody oh, had a winning record. And ladies and gentlemen, here we are. Finally, for the first time since – this is the first time we've had a team with a winning record in the NFC South since December of 2021. That's no. how long it's been. No. That's how long it's been, yes. Oh my yes, gosh. we haven't had a team with a winning record in the month of December since December of 2021. That's how bad this division has been. But suddenly, here we are. Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, and they look like they're in firm control of this division. What are you seeing out of Baker Mayfield, your fellow Austin area high school quarterback back in the day that impresses you the most? Um, having Mike Evans, who's leading the league in receiving touchdowns. And that I know certainly you helps. Too. That certainly <laughs> helps. <laughs> no, I think that uh, the way Baker's sort of, it's not only like his comeback trail, like a lot of T, like first round pick, Cleveland, goes different teams, da, da, da. And then you just have a team that sort of believes in you. And then you bring in Dave Canales, right, from Seattle. And yeah. what they're able to do together and put together has been so impressive. Because, 
a lot of people just don't, like it's hard to watch the NFC South and it's hard to watch like, hey, who is it going to be? Is it going to be, you know, the Saints or the Falcons or no, it, it's not going to be one of those teams. Let's be clear. Yeah. And, and if you Trey, if you would have said at the beginning of the season, at least to me, like look at the quarterbacks for the NFC South. OK, just before the season, you had Derek Carr. I'm like, OK, I trust him. Like, good enough. Bryce Young could, like, potential to be a really successful. And then Desmond Ritter, I'd be like, okay. But Baker Maybe. would be three or four right there for me. And, yeah. man, how the flip to the switch – or the, the script has switched, man, to, to the top. And what they're doing in Tampa on offense is what Baker is. He's an under-center, play-action, set-up, deep ball shot, check-it-down – half field read guy. He's getting like Canales is getting the most out of Baker and they're putting in plays that they ran successfully with Gino. Like there's no, there's make no mistake about it. Like Canales is a hell of a coach because what he did last year with Gino, right on the comeback that Gino had, and he's doing it again with Baker this year in Tampa. To me, that's good coaching. You're, you're, you're doing exactly what your player wants to do, but also it's a hell of a scheme too, man. Like, how are they how are they able to get Mike Evans open every single game? It seems like yeah. a, like thousand yard season for eleven or ten straight seasons, whatever it is. I know you love him, but it's yeah. and it's not like they're doing it with like a lot of good players. Like other than Mike, no. like it's just like that's what makes it even more impressive to me. Well, and again, we've talked this before, but Mike Evans is just he's a war daddy. I mean, that dude is a war daddy. That's the best way to describe it. Like, it, go look at the litany of quarterbacks that he's had to play with. And, you know, and, and again, somebody came on me in a thread and said, hey, Baker, comeback season at the first, you know, in the start of the season. I was like, yeah, fourth time's the charm. I was completely wrong. I mean, I, I got to give I got to give Baker all the credit. I did not think we'd see this out of Baker Mayfield after Cleveland and Carolina and the Rams. Yeah. He settled in and done a super, super nice job. But at, to your point as a quarterback, when you know you can just throw it up to a guy who's 6'4 and 70 percent of the time he's going to get it. Uh, yeah. that, that's a very comforting situation. Yeah, and and honestly, like what they're doing down there in Tampa, like he's setting himself up for future success. There's already, already been reports like he they got him for such a steal, bro, like four million dollars yeah. as a yeah. starter, right? Like he's he's in line for another contract. It seems like a good fit down there, and they're probably gonna win the NFC South. And it's just I'm I'm happy for guys like that, man. Like you yeah. know, usually first round guys get three, two, four shots. This was Baker's last shot. Like, like make yeah. no mistake about it. This was his last shot and he sees the opportunity. It's been fun to watch. No, a hundred percent much in the same way. Last year it was fun to see Geno Smith come back from all the yeah. crap he had to go through in the beginning of his career. It's nice to see Baker do this. So uh, kudos to the, to the bucks, kudos to Baker and obviously all the flowers uh, to Mike Evans as they finally yes. have a, we have a winning team. We have a winning team. We talked about them. It only took through week 16. We we spoke them into existence. Um, All right. Now, this one I put out on uh, threads and Twitter, and boy, uh, the the reactions were interesting. In that win uh, against the Chargers, in a game in which the Chargers had more yards, more time of possession, fewer turnovers, and somehow lost, hence the word chargering, uh, Josh Allen did it again. Josh Allen did it yeah. again, all right? Touchdown rushing, touchdown throwing, 11 games this season with at least one rushing touchdown and one passing touchdown. He's accounted for 40 total touchdowns in four straight seasons. Uh, that's the first time that's happened in NFL history. 
Uh, again, that's the first time it's happened in NFL history, 11 games with with one uh, one rushing and one throwing. And he's one more rushing touchdown with two games to play, tying Cam Newton's uh, single-season record for the most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback. So I put it out there, and I want to get your perspective. Why isn't Josh Allen in the, in, in the discussion for MVP of the league? Do you think he should be? Absolutely, I think he yeah. should be. Um, Tell me where I the think- Bills are without Josh Allen. I mean, they're nowhere. Yeah, they're five, four win team. Yeah, yeah. So if you're, I think, I think the biggest thing on in reason why Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills aren't being talked about more is because they had that like middle season crisis where he was throwing so many interceptions and it's like it, he threw another one. I mean, it's like the turnovers, right? So yeah, he's leading the league in touchdowns, but he's leading the league in turnovers. And well, right, but but that so I mean, but, but my point there is like, okay, so is Brock Purdy out of the conversation now after a four turnover game or a four interception game? No. I mean, well, he, like, he, and, he only has 11 interceptions, Josh right, has the, like 15. The, the, the only thing I'll say, and I look, I get it, I understand that, but I think Patrick Mahomes went at 17 last year and he was the MVP. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, the problem with Josh is the fumbling as much as the uh, as the interceptions, but like, yeah. I, I understand that, but up until they made the switch to Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator. They were basically telling Josh, do everything. You do everything, okay? And sometimes when you put that much responsibility on a person, they feel the need they have to make every play, so they go a little extra. It's like when someone gets a new contract, right? Like Jalen Hurts, for example. Remember early in the season? It was like, you're trying to do too much. And and you had to tell Jalen, hey, we're paying you for what you did, as you pointed out. Not for what we expect you to do or what you want to do different. Just do the thing that we got you paid. And I feel like it's sort of that way with Josh. He felt like, okay, I got to do everything. And just by having Joe Brady find a little more of a rhythm in the running game, and obviously Cook has been great for them, uh, yeah. I think it, I think it's taken a little pressure off Josh, and he'll still make the hero plays. But I don't think the turnovers are as big of a concern, and the touchdowns are still there, man. They are still there. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, and we've talked about it, you've said it, I've said it, is the, the switch at offensive coordinator – has been yeah. a huge uh, plus for the entire team because when you go down and you break it down and you look at the film, like post or pre Brady with Dorsey was there versus post Brady, uh, their entire team has changed, man. It's not just the yeah. offensive side of the football, and they're running the ball at, at a, a much higher rate. And so, like you said, it takes a lot more pressure off of Josh Allen to make that superhero play. Yeah, you can do it every once in a while, move around, do this. But I think what Brady had, and we've talked about this before, is like Brady was his quarterback coach, man. And when those quarterback coaches are in the meeting room with you, they know exactly what your quarterback wants and what Josh Allen wants. Sometimes the offensive coordinator is not in the meeting room for whatever reason, and then – you know, the quarterback's telling the quarterback coach what he likes and the quarterback coach is going to the OC and what he likes. Like, that's the hierarchy of command a little bit. But with Josh Allen, their relationship with Joe Brady, I think, is the biggest difference. They're running the ball more. They're, they're playing keep away from opposing offenses. So that defense in Buffalo, they're top six in every category. They've played a lot better. They're shortening games. They're not scoring as many points. They don't have to. And so you really look at the whole DNA of the entire team when Joe Brady took over, that's what's changed. And it's given Josh 
an influx of confidence, not like he needed anything more, but like, hey, you don't have to go out there and win games. Just keep us close, make some cool plays every once in a while. We're going to trust James Cook to, to run the ball more, but we're going to protect you with our play calling, and that's exactly what's happened with, uh, with the O.C., well, listen, they still can win the division, right? That, that's, that's the interesting thing. Now, they're going to need Miami to stumble. Miami's going to have to lose. To, I think they, Miami and Baltimore play next week, right, yeah. don't they? Isn't that, isn't that the matchup? Yeah, so they do. If Miami, if Miami loses to Baltimore, and quite frankly, lately everyone's losing to Baltimore, then suddenly that game uh, week in week, yeah. week 18 in Miami or Fort Lauderdale, whatever it's you want to say, yeah. in Miami – uh, is going to be for the division title. And, of course, the last time they played in September up in Buffalo, uh, the Bills waxed them by 28 points. Are the Bills the team that nobody wants to play in the AFC right now? Or is it still yeah. Baltimore? I, I think, I mean, like, obviously, like, the easy answer is Baltimore, right? But yeah. I, I said this in the AFC. I think it's the Bills that no one wants to see, man. Because yeah. the, it's like that It's like that wild card team in baseball, like the Diamondbacks. A couple years ago, they were like no one's radar, and all of a sudden they got hot, man. The Rangers this year, stoppable. The Rangers this year, and it's funny how sports works, man. Because you can be around that 500 mark, you win a couple games, get a couple confidence, and then you just keep rolling. Like it reminds me a lot of that rise to success. And then on the NFC side, like the Rams too. Like we're not talking about the Rams enough. It's like I, I put out a tweet the other day. It's like no one wants to see the Rams or the Bills if they get into the playoffs. And they're going to make some noise. Both have excellent run games. Both have pretty good defenses. But it's impressive to watch. And then, honestly, like the other AFC team for me is 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 uh, the Joe Flacco-led Cleveland Browns, man. Like, they are rolling. Let's go there. Because since we do want to talk about this, every time we can talk about it, we just can tell everybody how right we've been. Since week frickin' one. Since week one, when Aaron Rodgers went down, what did you and I say? The Jets should sign Joe Flacco. Instead, they let him sit and rot, and then everybody else passed on him. Joe Flacco is better than half the quarterbacks in the league right now. And if you oh, yeah. if you don't understand that or you don't believe that, that's a you problem. It's not an us problem, and it's not a Flacco problem. Joe Flacco and freaking Amari Cooper are rewriting the Cleveland Browns record book right now. <laughs> Huge win. Like, without a kicker. Uh, without a kicker in that game that went down. Is that two-point conversion, whatever. We do it all the time. I do not understand why people were so hesitant to, to get Joe Flacco in there in a quarterback needy league, and he is proving a lot of teams that they were really dumb by not listening yeah. to us, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, listen to us. That's exactly right. It's like if the honestly, like I'm going to say, if the Jets would have signed Joe Flacco right when Aaron Rodgers would have been down, they would have been in the playoffs. They'd be in playoffs. Hundred million. So how does it feel to be sitting at home where now the Cleveland Browns are ten and five? They're ten and five. Joe Flacco's thrown for over nine hundred yards in three games, eight touchdowns. Like the it's like the first time in Flacco's career over like the first three games of a season or whatever with the team, he's thrown for 900 plus yards. So over 300 yards a game passing. Um, and everyone, I, I just think it's such a perfect fit though. Like Stefanski under center bombs, like throwing the ball deep. Exactly what Flacco does. Like he Flacco's played himself into another year. And it's just like the fact that Absolutely. he was sitting at home, it pisses me off, man, because we were saying it, we were saying it. Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, give us our praise. And by the way, I'll say this. If the Browns' defense plays the way it plays at home, I don't think there's a team yeah. that they can't beat. 
whether it's Baltimore or anybody else, when that Browns defense, if they can play on the road, because they're going to have to play at least, I think, one playoff game on the road, depending on how the division shakes out. Uh, If they can find a way to play that defensive intensity on the road that they do at home, I don't think there's a team that the Browns can't beat. I agree. Yeah. I mean, and it's the run game too. It's not only Flacco, but like – that it is the biggest difference, and the reason you're saying that is because the, the the Browns defense is all world beaters at home and completely different on the road. Totally. If, if Schwartz can get that figured out, they're going to be a team to to worry about for sure. Uh, absolutely. All right. So now let's go through some uh, rapid fires here. Uh, that Chiefs game was an absolute disaster on so many levels. Uh, the Raiders won despite having their quarterback not complete a pass after the first quarter. He did not complete a pass. After the first quarter, the defense, the defense of the Chiefs held the Raiders to six points and somehow they lost 20 to 14 because on back to back snaps, seven seconds apart, seven seconds, Patrick Mahomes fumbled one that was picked up and run back in the end zone. And then the very next uh, possession, he threw a pick six. And that's the difference in the game. Seven seconds in that game changed the game completely. Harrison Butker missed his second straight uh, field goal for the second straight game. The Chiefs are an absolute dumpster fire right now. That was the worst quarter or half of football in Patrick Mahomes' career. But you go look at the game, the Chiefs, more first downs, more total yards, more time of possession, those two plays, those two turnovers. But I think, Chase, I think that's sort of the real issue for the Kansas City Chiefs. What have we said all along? The only team that can beat the Chiefs? is the Chiefs, and they continue to find ways to beat themselves. Where is your level of concern on Kansas? They still haven't clinched the division. Yeah. I mean, it's high. It's really high. Because I I think that the biggest thing is when you watch these teams play in the Chiefs uh, on defense, like they're they're going against the Chiefs offense, they're just playing man coverage, man. They're just playing man, and there's nowhere to go with the ball. Yeah, there's no. I mean, you look if you look at that game, there were ten, maybe fifteen plays where Mahomes had four, four and a half seconds to make a throw. A ton of and time. No, there's no one open. Ain't, ain't nobody open. Now that certainly yeah. helped. Look, look, Kadarius Tony was out, but he might get open, but he might make a pass, a pick six. So you never know. Uh, I do think Miko Hardman's going to come back one of these last two games. That'll give them something. But there is outside of Rashi Rice, there is not a receiver that Pat Mahomes goes. I'm going to throw it to that guy. And he's going to do the thing I want him to do and the route, and he's going to catch it. That, that guy yeah. doesn't exist. You go back and look at some of the plays. Like, there were a couple of plays I looked at in the All-22 where, like, say, Rasheed Rice was open for a seven-yard game. MVS was open for a 10, 12, 15-yard game. He's like, I ain't throwing it to that dude. Yeah. I'm not throwing it to you. And then you saw the frustration from him at the end of the half. Can we get the play call in? Like, the whole thing is disjointed right now in Kansas City. Listen. All they need to do is win one of their last two games and win the AFC West for an eighth straight year. But I, I don't know what Kansas City team, team shows up every week. Yeah, I have no idea. Know. Well, it's it's uh, defensive side of the ball. They're, they're playing great. They and are that's, awesome. Oh, man. It's just – it's hard. honestly, like, it's hard to watch. Like, I watched this game while we were opening presents Christmas morning. The sound was off, and it made it even seem Good. worse. When the sound was off, and it's just like it just looks like they're moving in slow motion. It doesn't look like they're on the same page. And you can officially say now by week sixteen, they're just like it every single play that they have that's successful, it seems like they're working really hard at it for. 
And that has never been the case with Mahomes. It used to come in bunches. It's not coming in bunches anymore, man. My level of concern is pretty high. Yeah, they have. He has no one he can trust outside of Rashi Rice. But again, penalties, drop passes again. I mean, Travis Kelsey wide open drops a pass. Um, in fact, yeah. I think the Chiefs were negative 18 yards in the first quarter. That was the worst first quarter in the NFL since the Rams of like 2004. And let me remind you, the Rams of the early 2000s were ass. Okay, they were the worst. <laughs> they were the worst team in football for a lot of years. That's how bad it is right now for the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, just win one game. One game, you get a home playoff game. Get a division, you get a division championship for the eighth straight year. By the way, only one other team has had more straight division titles than the Chiefs if they get this eighth win. That would be the Patriots, who won it 11 straight years in the AFC East. That's the kind of dominance we're talking about, and they can't get out of their own way right now. What do we think about Detroit? Detroit is in. They won, They win the NFC North for the first time uh, as the NFC North has been presently constructed. The last time they won a division, it was called the NFC Central. Uh, you know, I think they had to beat out the White Sox for it. Um, so where where are you on how far we think Detroit can go? Um, well, the, the the last two games after a midseason lull has really uh, I, I've enjoyed watching them more. Man, they're 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 playing better on defense. And the midseason lull was because let's be real, Jared Goff was turning the ball over at an extremely high rate. The last two games, he has shrunk those. Okay, and the defense wasn't playing well, and they started to play a lot better. So. It seems like if you put the Lions in prime time and they have like a Nike, they're amazing, right? Yeah. And I just love yeah. the fact that they're getting back on track. This could have easily spiraled out of control. You go on the road in Minnesota, tough division game, and they won. I just love the fact that uh, Dan Campbell, I mean, Dan Campbell was on the Lions, I think, when they were 0-16 in 2008, right? So, like, he's yeah. been there. He's understood that whole organization. I thought the coolest thing on all the games after the games and inside the locker room, the mic'd up situation where the coaches, he called all of the OGs up for the Lions, like Taylor Decker, Romeo Okwara, all, all these guys who had been there, Tracy Walker, and was like, this is for you. There was like five yeah. guys that had been there forever and been through some really, really tough seasons. And been he was like, shit. this is for you. Yeah, been through some yeah. stuff, man. I thought that was so cool and just understanding like from, from a head coaching perspective, like, Hey, it's way bigger than us. I mean, first time in 30 years, like that's, yeah. that's impressive. They, they can, I mean, they can be scary, man. With Jamar Gibbs, Dave Montgomery, all those receivers. I mean, it's, it's going to be fun to watch them in the playoffs because this is the first time in a, in forever. Like they've had an actual, like really good team. It's fun to watch. Yeah, we'll see what happens this week. I think there's a natural letdown for them as they go on the road to place yeah. the Cowboys at 115 straight at home. But, yeah, I, I'm curious to see what, what they're – you know, I, I, nothing would surprise me with the Lions, but I, I, I'd like to see them I'd – like, I'd like to see them stick around just to see what happens because it's been such a great story. All right, speaking of sticking around, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers stuck around as long as possible until the charade was finally up. We said it again week one. He ain't coming back. Like, what are you talking no, about? Do so what, 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 what do we expect from the Jets now? Because this team, this organization, I mean, they just – it was butchered. And Woody Johnson saying both Robert Sala and GM Joe, Joe Douglas are coming back. And I, I find – I don't have an issue with either of that. But like, no. they, they hung on to this thing which no everybody who had a sense of any sort of logical understanding of the human body, okay, and modern science, this dude was never coming back, okay, Aaron no. Rodgers, this. It was never going – it's not possible, okay? Oh, for sure. And they perpetuated this thing 
So where are we now with the Jets going forward? What's it going to be? Aaron Rodgers out for a season and he comes back in 2024. What are they going to be like with, uh, you know, with uh, all the Brees Hall and, and, and Wilson and all this yeah. kind of stuff? Can they can it can it be as good as they thought it was going to be this year? Because that's a long way away right now, man. That's a long way away, and I'm glad that all the hoopla and stuff like you were never coming back, bro. Like, let's just be real. Yeah, like, like on. it was all for show, New York show, whatever, yeah. dog and pony show. Uh, but I do think that they could be. I mean, I think they could be really good. And it's good. It's it, it, like let's just digress a little bit. The reason this season didn't go the way that the Jets wanted it to, with all the offseason storylines, with everything. It's because they didn't have a quarterback. That defense is good. They yeah, got enough really offensive playmakers. So if Rodgers can terrible, play. Though. Offensive line is terrible. Yeah, terrible. It's they they got to do something about that, especially with the guy coming off his that's another. By the way, that's another reason why he was never coming back, okay? You're going to yeah, put him in the fastest recovery ever from an Achilles heel behind that offensive line? You might as well just no cut shot. his ankle off. You might as well just cut his ankle off instead. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, yeah, so, I, I mean. I, the whole thing. It, it was yeah, I, I agree with you on on that. But I think the biggest thing is how how Aaron's going to play coming off of an Achilles, coming off of really this last Packers season wasn't that great. So two full seasons, not not really playing very well. Um, can he get back to years form? Old. He's getting older, forty, all that stuff. I mean that 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 is the number one thing. Is like, can Rodgers play good enough? For that defense, I mean, then that's then I think they could be contenders. I mean, that defense is is going to be great as long as Saul is there. Uh, I yeah. think they're probably going to shore up this offensive line. But yeah, I mean, you give up you gave up enough for them, so got to make it work. All right, uh, we also had the Bengals bury themselves in Pittsburgh, and you know, a lot of people, a lot of people are like, maybe it's time for Mike Tomlin to go. And I understand that. Even Bill Cower once said, "You're somewhere ten years, the message wears out." He's in year sixteen, yeah. but boy, did they respond. They didn't have. They didn't score 20 points in five straight games. They had 21 points early in the Mason Rudolph, second quarter. Baby. Okay, Mason, Of course, Mason Rudolph around Christmas rides to the rescue, right? I mean, it, the script writes itself. So this is Mike Tomlin this week saying, I'm sorry, what did you say? Yeah. What did you yeah. say? Now, they still have a long way to get to the postseason. But you have to give it up for what Mike Tomlin has been able to do. And, I, you know, the Steelers are talking about wanting to extend him. I think there will be so many job openings that someone's going to make an offer to trade for Mike Tomlin. And that might be something he considers. But at the end of the day, and Steelers fans don't want to hear this because, you know, Sixburg and all this, you know, with trophies and all that, you know, that's all they care about. No coach in the history of this game has ever gone longer without a losing season. And I hear the Steelers fans and the Yinzers and the, the waivers of the terrible house say, well, it's not just about not having a losing season. I get that. You're exactly right. But it's also about an unbelievable level of consistency, the likes of which this league has, has, has never seen. So if you want to be upset about not – doing more than not having a, a, a losing season. I understand that. But you also have to appreciate the amazing level of consistency that this guy, despite all kinds of issues on offense, I mean, Tommy DeVito, the recently benched Tommy DeVito, has more multiple touchdown pass games in his career than Kenny Pickett. Okay? So it's not like, it's not like the quarterback they were dealing with is absolutely throwing darts out there. Okay? This offense yeah. has been stagnant for a couple of years. So you can pick on Mike Tomlin all you want. But just be honest in your evaluation of it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's going to go down as one of the greatest of all times. And, and, and the fact that there's even talk about him not coaching the Steelers, or they might not want – like, that's so absurd. Do you know how many teams in the NFL right now would take Mike Tomlin? All 32 of them. Yeah. Every single yeah. person would be in line for him if they, if they could have. Like, he's that good of a coach. 
and he's doing it. He, he just constantly reinvents himself. But I just think all that stuff is so dumb. Like, don't talk to me about all this others. Like, he is the man. Like, yeah. do you know, like, the losing season stat is mind-blowing. It's, the consistency, it's, it's it just doesn't make any sense. And you're doing it with the third-string quarterback. Hopefully, you know, they can make some noise and, and get in to the playoffs. But it's, it's – uh, it's impressive to me. I mean, it's just the consistency of yeah. when he does it. And the CEO type coach, right? That's not the 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 new thing. It's not the the cool thing. It's like, hey, let's hire an offensive guy. Or let's the CEO type coach with Tomlin, dude, is 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 the way to go, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and, and real quickly, I want to end on this because he did a really good job of addressing the George Pickens disaster of the previous week, right? Like he 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 was upfront about it, he dealt it. And I wanna I wanna say something about George Pickens too here. All right. He responded the way you want a player to respond. There's no question about it. But, you know, then he did this on the sidelines. He did, you know, I, I you all the time. I'm like, dude, shut up. Okay. Because here's the problem that most people have. And this is the, this thing I, I don't understand why this is an issue. Two things are true at the same time. Two or yeah. three or four things can be true at the same Multiple time. Can, George, yeah. George Pickens responded beautifully to a shit week, but that shit week was on him. Because of the way he played against the Colts and his response to it. So, like, you can say, oh, he's, I don't want to hear the talk. No, you deserved all the crap you got because of the way you played and the way you answered the question. Now you also deserve the praise for the way you played in response to that and stepped up big. But one does not negate the other. You were a jerk the week before and you were a hero this week. Both of those things are true. So I don't want to see this. I just want to see more play like you did against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. I mean, you know, all these guys listen to social media and do all that thin stuff. Thin-skinned. He got, he got roasted. Thin-skinned. Yeah, yeah. thin-skinned. He he listen, if this is the result, he should get roasted every week because the every Steelers week? would love that. Okay? Yeah. The Steelers would love yeah. that. They might be a little better if he get roasted every week. I just hate it when he, when players do that. It's like, oh, talk about me. You know, yeah, we talked about you when you sucked, and we said you sucked. That's fair. And now when you play good, you know what we say? You played good. It's not that difficult. It's not hard, and yeah. it's not somebody piling on you. You brought that on yourself, bro, and you brought it yeah. back with a great game. End of discussion. Yeah. End of discussion's right. I mean, I don't know what else you want me to say because yeah, that, that's Nothing. the best social clip I we're going to have all week. That's go. the best clip we're going to have all week. Probably. All right. So, anyway, <laughs> listen, here's the most important thing for you this coming week. You ready? Let's Survive. Like New York yeah. with three kids. I, I don't know if you've been, you're not going to Times Ooh. Square, are you? Are you going to Times Square? Uh, we might. We might. Oh you know, God. just go, just, go, just so you know, go all in. Having, having, having done this, not really a family friendly experience. Okay. Yeah. So, it we, just, we, you just, know what? On second thought, we might not do Times Square. We might not do Times Square. Well, I just like, yeah, get in like a little pedicab right around. Go and yeah, do something, then go have a nice whatever. How do you said top of the rock, whatever, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. like, just get back safe. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. All right, get back safe because yeah. we need to do a I show like next. Week. I like it. We need to do a show. Right. We need to show. We'll, right, we'll be safe. We'll talk right, to you guys. in 2024. See you, man. 